0: Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. But today, we're going to be in Judges chapter 9. and Come on, Judges has been an experience. Oh my gosh. And there's so much more to come, but I love how packed full the book of Judges is just for the body of Christ and how God doesn't hold back in showing us the good, bad, ugly and beautiful, right? He doesn't hold back and just kind of sharing the details, showing us uh, mistakes, victories, right? And this is kind of another one with Judges chapter nine, as we uh, dive into it of, hey, There are mistakes, but there's also God's protective hand in every work that he does. So let's pray. We're going to be diving headfirst into this thing. So go on. Father, I thank you that we get to press into your word this morning. Holy Spirit, I just pray you would release the spirit of wisdom and revelation here, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, and that we would know how to act on it with wisdom. Because Lord, we know this is all about you, so we just set our gaze, our focus, our hearts on you right now, and we want to hear a word from you today, God. Lord, grow us inside of your word, God, Deepen the wells of our heart so that we would come to know you, that we know the depth of God cries out to the depth of man. So Lord, right now, I just pray as you're crying out to our depths, Lord, help us dig further in the wells of our heart. And we ask this and pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Come on. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right. Come on. We are going in Judges chapter 9. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. So uh, title of this one, at least in my Bible, it says, Abimelech rules over Shechem. Ooh. And if you read this beforehand, that's not a good thing. (laughs) All right. Verse 1 says, one day. Gideon's son Abimelech went to Shechem to visit his uncles, his mother's brothers. He said to them and to the rest of his mother's family, ask the leading citizens of Shechem, ask uh, whether they want to be ruled by all 70 of Gideon's sons or by one man. And remember, I am your own flesh and blood. So Abimelech's uncles gave him message, uh, gave his message to all the citizens of Shechem on his behalf. And after listening to this proposal, The people of Shechem decided in favor of Bimelech because he was their relative. They gave him 70 silver coins from the temple of Baalberith, which he used to hire some reckless troublemakers who agreed to follow him. He went to his father's home at Oprah, and there on one stone, they killed all 70 of his half-brothers, the sons of Gideon. But the youngest brother, Jotham, escaped and hid Then all the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo called a meeting under the oak beside the pillar of Shechem and made Abimelech their king. And then this is Jotham's parable in response to it. When Jotham heard about this, (coughs) he climbed to the top of Mount Gerizim and shouted, listen to me, citizens of Shechem. Listen to me if you want God to listen to you. Once upon a time, the trees decided to choose a king. First, they said to the olive tree, be our king. But the olive tree refused, saying, should I quit producing the olive oil that blesses both God and people just a wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the fig tree, you be our king. But the fig tree also refused, saying, should I quit producing sweet fruit just a wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the grapevine, you be our king. But the grapevine also refused, saying, Should I quit producing the wine that cheers both God and people just away back and forth over the trees? Then all the trees finally turned to the thorn bush and said, Come, you be our king. And the thorn bush replied to the trees, If you truly want to make me your king, come and take shelter in my shade. If not, let fire come out from me and devour the seas of Lebanon. Jotham continued, now, make sure you have acted honorably and in good faith by making Abimelech your king and that you have done right by Gideon and all of his descendants. Have you treated him with the honor he deserves for all his, uh, he accomplished? For he fought for you and risked his life when he rescued you from the Midianites. But today you have revolted against my father and his descendants, killing every uh, killing his 70 sons on one stone. And you have chosen his slave woman's son, Abimelech, to be your king, just because he is your relative. Verse 19, if you have acted honorably and in good faith toward Gideon and his descendants today, then you may find joy in Abimelech and he may find joy in you. But if you have not acted in good faith, then may fire come from Abimelech and devour the leading citizens of Shechem and Bethmilo. And may fire come out from the citizens of Shechem and Beth Bethnalo and devour Abimelech. Then Jotham escaped and lived in Beer because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. Verse 22. After Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years, God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem. And they revolted. God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's 70 sons and the citizens of Shechem for supporting him in this treachery of murdering his brothers. The citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed by that way. But someone warned Abimelech about their plot. One day, Gaul, some of bed. Moved to Shechem with his brothers and gained the commons, of leading citizens of Shechem. During the annual harvest festival of Shechem, held in the temple of the local god, the wine flowed freely, and everyone began cursing Abimelech. Who is this Abimelech? All shouted. He's not a true son of Shechem. So why would should he? Uh, why should we be his servants? He merely uh, he is merely the son of Gideon, and this Zebul is merely his deputy serve the true sons of Amor, the founder of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If I were in charge here, I would get rid of Abimelech. I would say to him, get some soldiers and come out and fight. But when Sebul, the leader of the city, heard what uh, what Gaul was saying, he was furious. He sent messengers to Abimelech in uh, Ar- Aruma, Telling him, Gaul, son of Abed, and his brothers have come to live in Shechem and now are inciting the city to rebel against you. Come by night with an army and hide out in the fields. In the morning, as soon as it is daylight, attack the city. When Gaul and those who are with him come out against you, you can do with them as you wish. So Abimelech and all his men went by night and split into four groups, stationing themselves around Shechem. Gaul was standing at the city gates when Abimelech and his army came out of hiding. When Gaul saw them, he said to Zebul, look, there are people coming down from the hilltops. Zebul replied, it's just the shadows on the hills that look like men. But Gaul said, no, people are coming down from the hills and another group is coming down the road past the Diviner's Oak. When Zebul turned on him and asked, now, where is that big mouth of yours? Wasn't it you that said, who is Abimelech? And why should we be his servants? The men you mocked are right outside the city. Go out and fight them. So Gaul led the leading citizens of Shechem into battle against Abimelech. But Abimelech chased him. And many of Shechem's men were wounded and fell along the road as they retreated to the city. Abimelech returned to Aruma. And Zebul drove Gaul and his brothers out of Shechem. The next day, the people of Shechem went out into fields to battle. When Abimelech heard about this, he divided his men into three groups and set an ambush in the fields. When Abimelech saw the people coming out of the city, he and his men jumped up from their hiding places and attacked them. Abimelech and his uh, group stormed the city gate to keep the men of Shechem from getting back in. When Abimelech's other two groups cut them down in the fields, the battle went on all day before Abimelech finally captured the city. He killed the people, leveled the city, and scattered salt all over the ground. When the leading citizens who lived in the Tower of Shechem heard what happened, they ran and hid in the temple of Baal-Berith. Someone reported to Abimelech that the citizens had gathered in the temple. So he led his forces to Mount Zaman, took an ax, chopped out some branches from a tree, then put them on his shoulder. Quick, do as I have done, he told his men. So each of them cut down branches. Following Abime- Abimelech's example, they piled the branches against the walls of the temple and set them on fire. So all the people who lived in the Tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech attacked the town of uh, the bees and captured it. But There was a strong tower inside the town and all the men and women, the entire population fled to it. They barricaded themselves in and climbed up to the roof of the tower. Abimelech followed them to attack the tower. But as he prepared to set fire to the entrance, a woman on the roof dropped a millstone that landed on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. He quickly said to his young armor bearer, draw your sword and kill me. Don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech. So the young man ran him uh, ran him through with his sword and he died. When Abimelech saw that he was dead, they disbanded, returned to their homes. In this way, God punished Abimelech for the evil he had done against his father by murdering his 70 sons. God also punished the men of Shechem for all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Gideon, was fulfilled. Whew. Big chapter right there. And a ton, ton, ton packed into it. Oh my gosh. That is 57 verses of pure gold. I can't imagine, believe how much scrolling you just did. All right. So <clears throat> drop a verse that stood out to you inside of the chat. I would love to hear about how God is speaking to you through Judges chapter nine. So one of the things I want to kind of uh, point out this, like the very beginning. So First thing uh, this is pointing out is Abimelech wanting to rule over a place called Shechem. So Abimelech's uh, mom, really it's Gideon's concubine, right? So it's not even uh, like one of Gideon's wives, right? This is more of like a slave of Gideon, was from the place called Shechem. Now, Shechem was a really important town in that time period. So Shechem was a crossroads for trade routes, so all the trade a lot of the trade routes would funnel in through Shechem, uh, and it was a natural line uh, between the coastal plain and the Jordan Valley. So Shechem was really central to a lot what that was happening inside of that region. It was an extremely important town. You know, it's kind of like this summer's point to Ocean City, right? Like you got to have summer's point to have Ocean City style. You know, there's there's these areas like it's a Philadelphia to the rest of the cities, right? There's a trade route that things run through. So to take over Shechem was to get a uh, really a dominant uh, uh, to be dominant over the entire territory that they were uh, sitting in. So if you had the central area, you would slowly take the rest of the areas. Right. And Abimelech saw his opportunity uh, after his father's death to go ahead and get some power, right? There's uh, an amazing lesson from Abimelech, and it's dealing with an orphan spirit, dealing with an orphan spirit. So in different translations, because in the NLT, it says one day Gideon's son Abimelech, uh, in other translations, that verse will say uh, Abimelech's son of Jerubal went to Shechem. So Abimelech wasn't even really raised by Gideon. So what he knew was that the 70 sons, the the ones that were uh, uh, Gideon's true sons, were going to get the inheritance of Gideon. They were the ones that saw their dad go to battle. They were the ones that uh, participated in dad's sports, sat and ate with dad. But here is uh, Abimelech. The one who was really an outcast, the one who probably had rivalry between his 70 other siblings, because this is how it went for them uh, to be the son of a concubine meant you were less than for the other sons. Uh, What was inside of Abimelech's heart was never checked. He never dealt with what was deep down inside of there. So that orphan spirit that said, "Okay, I'm Gideon's son, but I'm not right. I am royalty, but I'm not. It never got checked. So when the opportunity arose, when there was, uh, you know, a potential path in front of him, it revealed what was truly inside of his heart. Right. Because we know, okay, the 70 sons of Gideon uh, more than likely would not have all ruled over the land together. Right. And more likely normally goes the oldest son. But in this time period, they had a great fear inside of the nation of Israel of appointing a king. Because at this point in time, uh, the only king that was meant to be over Israel and God's people was the Lord himself. So Abimelech is here, not necessarily even raising himself up against his brothers, but he's raising himself up against the Lord. So in verse number two, it says uh, Abimelech approaches the leading citizens of Shechem, and he really starts pulling this manipulative stance, right? All of this was already inside of his heart, manipulation, turmoil, uh, rivalry. And we see him say, hey, remember, I'm your flesh and blood. My mom came from here. Since she came from here, you should make me king. And Abimelech's uncles, right, his mom's brothers, gave this message to all the citizens of Shechem. And after listening to the proposal, the people decided in favor of him because, not because it was a good plan, right, not because what he was saying was making sense, not because they saw the fruit and benefits of appointing Abimelech over Shechem, but no. But what does it say in verse three? Abimelech was their relative. So right here, I just kind of want to bring up there's wisdom from God for a reason. And, you know, there's there's very few ways to go ahead and learn lessons. We can go ahead and go through hard lessons ourselves. I don't know if there's anyone else here or listening to the podcast later on. Maybe you relate to me a little bit. I learned most of my lessons from touching the hot stove. Um, My parents told me the stove was hot. And the first question that comes into my head is how hot, (laughs) you know, it's not, hey, I'm not going to touch that because it's hot. My first thought is, well, how long can I hold my hand on it, (laughs) you know, and I learned that things were bad for me by doing them, you know, and right here, they're learning the same exact thing. And us as Christ followers sometimes learn through that same path. Wisdom, however, right? So foolishness is information or knowledge wrongly applied, right? But wisdom is information or knowledge rightly applied. So right here, they're taking information and wrongly applying it. Hey, here comes this guy. He was family with us for a little bit, right? Sort of his mom, his mom came from here. Hey, let's appoint him as our king and our ruler. But I don't think what they're realizing what was really inside of Abimelech's heart. What's the why behind the what? What's the driver behind the motives and actions, right? And I want to share with you a lot of this little tiny passage, the first three verses of 57, right, reveal the reason and the why behind we have something called Freedom Ministries here at Fusion Church. Because Abimelech had some junk in his heart. And us as people, as Christ followers, guess what? None of us are exempt from this. We all have just a little bit of junk inside of our hearts. And it's okay, right? I want to just kind of give a freedom statement right now. It's okay that we have a little bit of mess in our hearts and lives, right? We just got out of that series, messy life, messy church. Things sometimes are a mess. But what the people of Shechem didn't realize was the mess inside of Abimelech's heart would come back to bite them. And when we leave our mess unchecked, we leave our childhood trauma untouched, and we don't let the healing power of Jesus go deep into our hearts and lives. Many times, that same exact thing will come back to bite us, just like it did with Abimelech. So it goes on in verse four, it says they gave him 70 silver coins from the temple of Baal-berith. So in this time period, It was not uncommon that governments were the ones that set up religious institutions inside of towns and cities. So they would do this as a form of using offerings that were given to temples, to foreign gods, and things of that nature, so that they could drive civil projects, so that there'll be a stream of income and revenue so they could benefit a town. It was less about worshiping a god and more about advancing an agenda. You see, I think this is very, very obvious. That's not the intent and purpose behind the temple. It's not the intent and purpose behind worship because the world government design was for selfish motive. But God's design, the design was to come from the attitude of the heart, right? And right here, Abimelech's heart is totally off. The people of Shechem, their heart, totally off. So instead, what they're doing is they're taking 70 silver coins, one silver coin per son that he was about to overthrow. And said, Here, advance your agenda, advance what you're looking to do. We believe in you, right? What's the first thing he did with that money? He used it to hire some reckless troublemakers who agreed to follow him, right? Another translation says, Worthless troublemakers. (laughs) I love the word of God. It is so savage. Like it it holds back on nobody, (laughs) it points out the good, bad, ugly, and beautiful. So, right here, we see Abimelech welcoming trouble into his life. And I kind of want to just ask you guys today, as, as we're uh, pressing into God's word, you know, uh, what trouble have you potentially invited into your life? Or what people around you do you see uh, welcoming trouble into theirs? You see, they gave him money out of good faith that this was going to be their next king. Yet Abimelech went and hired trouble into his life. And uh, church, I can't tell you how many people I've seen welcome trouble into their life, right? Uh, Through dating the wrong boyfriend or girlfriend to uh, uh, getting in a job that they never should have been in in the first place. Come on, how many uh, uh, relationships uh, get crushed just by welcoming trouble into the middle of it, right? Be careful if you're paying or welcoming trouble into your life. Because right here, the people of Shechem they had no idea what they were getting into. What they saw was, "Hey, here's one of the potential sons of our city. Let's make him king over us." It sounds like a good idea because he's our relative. He's family. Why not? Right? When we welcome that family member into our house, not realizing they're a, an Abimelech coming in with higher trouble behind them. Right? And verse five, he went to his father's home at Oprah. And there on one stone or another word of saying that, take note, stone, another word of saying it is altar. On one altar, they killed all 70 of his half brothers, the sons of Gideon. Now, this is a huge defining statement for me because right here, what it's saying is human sacrifice. How horrible is this? Human sacrifice was the driving factor of the beginning of his kingship. He didn't just sit there and say, all right, I'm going to be king now and rule over this area. He went to go kill every son of Gideon, his half brothers. So what was in his heart was now really starting to be revealed. This was the rivalry that was inside of there. And I want to tell you, whatever's inside of our hearts will be revealed. There's no hiding what's on the inside of us. You know, I like to say this avidly. I say it with our students, uh, I say it with some of our leaders sometimes, uh, you know, no one can escape the test of time. That's just one test that every single person has to take at some point. We can look good for a period of time. We can throw in a really good smile. We can say the right words. We can have the right demeanor about us, right? Oh, that person sits with their shoulders back. I love the way they shake my hand. I love how they make me feel warm and fuzzy when I talk to them, right? But then after a while, that test of time will reveal what is really inside of their heart. And this was the test of time that was revealing what was inside of Abimelech's heart. He went there, and on the altar, it showed what Abimelech was worshiping, and it was not the Lord. But this is the beautiful part. It says in verse 5, but the youngest brother of Jotham escaped and hid. And I want to share this with anyone listening now, listening later on. This is the word for you today because a lot of us invite trouble into our lives. But the grace and mercy of Jesus to always have a Jotham is so incredible to me. Because I can't even tell you how many times I messed up, I touched the hot stove, when the wisdom said not to, right? When when I made the wrong decisions, the wrong financial investments, when I was frivolous with money, when the Wawa Sizzlies and Coffees I was buying for seven dollars and fifty cents, right? <laughs> and you have no no business buying it because you have things to take care of on the back end when, when you're really right inviting and welcoming trouble into your life. There's always a Jotham, there's always a remnant, there's always something that God is preserving inside of your life to bring restoration to you, right? Because Jotham escaped. It's the one son that got away. And through this son, the son would give a prophetic word that would uh, uh, prophesy the very life and the relationship between Abimelech and Shechem, right? Because he goes through all of these trees. (laughs) He goes through uh, the olive tree, right? The fig tree, the grape tree. And then the last one of verse 14, it says all the trees finally turned to the thorn bush. And Abimelech was their thorn bush. Come, you be our king. And the thornbush replied to the trees, if you truly want me to be king, come take shelter under my shade. You know, uh, in my childhood home, my dad, he loved gardening and I didn't get it. However, uh, I'm going to bring up some childhood trauma for all of us. And dads, we love you. Uh, but we all know that it It happens. Um, if you decide to take on a project, your sons and daughters take on the project with you, it's now a family project. (laughs) And my dad loved gardening. So it was his form of just like therapy, going ahead and redesigning our backyard. And I'll tell you what, our backyard was gorgeous. He did an amazing job, but we had this one bush that my father absolutely loved, or excuse me, one tree. And it was our holly tree. Oh my goodness. And those prickly leaves. And for some reason, those leaves stayed alive year round. And whenever we played games in our backyard and you just wanted to run around barefoot, you better believe you were walking away with a holly leaf stuck inside of your foot. And I can't be the only one who has sat with a holly leaf in their foot, right? But that's what happens when you take shade under a thorn bush, right? That's what happens when you start hiding out or hanging out around things that will hurt you. And I want to just kind of question, hey, what are you hanging around that might be hurting you? What are you spending time with that might be hurting you? Because those TV shows, that music, right? Those people that have a spirit about them that isn't for you, but is for the things of the world that might be changing what your altar looks like. I want to tell you, those are the things that we need to start retreating from rather than pressing into, right? Because right here, they're pressing into a thorn bush and they said, Hey, come take shelter and take shade with me. Come sit down with the thorns. Because it may hurt when it first pricks you, but when you get used to it, you'll be fine. But here's the problem. You can't hang out with a thorn bush without the second half of this verse happening where it says, let the fire come out from me and devour the cedars of Lebanon. You know, the thorn bush will at some point overtake. And that's exactly what happened. Right. Jotham goes about confronting the people of Shechem. But we find out later on in verse 22, Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years as a self-appointed king. Correct. And God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble. This is the beautiful part of the Lord. God always has corrective measures baked into what he's doing inside of the world. So there might be injustice happening to you. There might be your boss might be going absolutely wild right now. You might feel the pressure coming on you from work. You might feel the pressures coming on you from every single angle. But I wanna let you know the same God that restores you and loves you is the same God that will have justice for you. And right here, God had justice for the city of Israel, for the nation of Israel. He sent a spirit that stirred up trouble against Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem, right? God was punishing Shechem for murdering Gideon's 70 sons. What God is saying is this will not go unchecked. And it's important to know church, no sin goes unchecked, right? Ephesians chapter three talks about this. And this is what I love about the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit. It will always come to light. (laughs) Whatever the sin is, whatever the darkness is, whatever thorn bush you might be hanging around right now or whatever, maybe, hey, maybe we might be the thorn bush ourselves. God in his mercy will always reveal it. Why does he reveal it? Because he wants us restored to him. He wants his heart with us. He wants us to be partnered with him. And he sends sometimes the spirit to stir up trouble so that he could correct what is happening inside of our lives, right? This leads into an all-out war where the citizens of Shechem realize what they got themselves into. They fight back against Abimelech, but Jotham's prophetic word was correct. The fires of Abimelech would consume the town of Shechem. And then he would throw salt on it as a way of saying, this is preserved. The work is done, correct? But God still had a work to do, right? Because the then goes out to war. I'm going to scroll all the way down. He attacks a town called Thebes, verse 50, and he captures it. But there was a strong tower inside of the town. Church, you may feel like you have been at war for such a long time. And I recognize That so many of us are just weary and tired just from doing life, right? Sometimes waking up is a battle on its own. Sometimes opening our eyes, trying to crack open the Bible, trying to press into devotion with God while balancing cleaning the house, getting the kids to school, trying to just make it as a husband and wife, uh try not to chew the person's head off that cut us off in traffic <laughs> on the parkway. I can't be the only one, <laughs> right? Sometimes it's just a battle on its own. But I want to tell you, you may feel everything pressing up against you from every side. You may have welcomed trouble into your life. You may not even have welcomed it, but it's trying to welcome itself into your life. But there is a strong tower inside of you, and His name is Jesus. And all he says is, will you run to me all who are weary and heavy laden so I can give you rest. And those Abimelechs in your life, the ones that have wrong motives, the ones that are trying to take things over, the ones that have rivalry, I will tell you that is where I'll deal with them because they barricaded themselves up inside of that tower, right? Abimelech followed them to attack the tower. Why? Because what was in his heart was driving him forward. But as he prepared to set fire to the entrance, verse 53, come on, here's the beautiful part. A woman on the roof dropped the millstone <laughs> that landed on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. I love how the Bible does not hold back. <laughs> it does not hold back at all. And just we were talking about, check, come on, a woman comes through again. We had a Deborah and now we have an unnamed woman at the top of the tower. Come on, unnamed woman who said, listen, if the men won't handle it, give me a stone. (laughs) The the guys aren't taking care of it. Somebody give me a rock. (laughs) I love that. I love it. I love it. But if we look even past people, right, this is the faithfulness of God to rescue us out of trouble because here is Abimelech and his troublemakers coming up against us. But it takes an army. It takes a body of Christ to retreat to the strong tower of the Lord, to not look to fight the battle on your own, but to say, you want to know what? Sometimes I need the high ground with my God. Sometimes I need to press in and get to an elevated position. And I want to tell you, I can't even, there's so many times where I said, God, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know how to handle this situation. I, right. I need grace for my marriage, right? I need grace for this next step. God, I know if I seek you with all my heart, you'll make my path straight, but Lord, the path doesn't feel straight right now. And how many times you press into the strong tower and because you do, you get another perspective, right? Because I'm sure on ground level, when this woman saw Abimelech, he saw an army and it was probably scary, <laughs> right? It more likely scared this lady to death. But once you get the perspective from the high tower, The strong tower of the Lord, and you get the Lord's perspective, you realize all you need is a rock. All I need is a stone. And this is just like David, right? David versus Goliath. When you see the giant in front of you, but when you get heaven's perspective, when you get the Lord's vision, the Lord's eyes on the problem, the trouble, what's sitting in front of you, all you need is a stone, right? And I, Abimelech's death made me laugh. And this is why I love the Bible. If you guys don't laugh at the Bible, I encourage you just start laughing because God's got a sense of humor. <laughs> because verse 54, right? He quickly said to his young armor bearer, draw your sword and kill me. <laughs> don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech. <laughs> the pride, <laughs> the pride. Oh my gosh. And I started laughing because I said, if this guy knew <laughs> that his death was published, And the most bought book (laughs) in the entire world (laughs) and that everybody knew, oh my gosh, your business is everywhere. (laughs) It's so funny. But uh, Jesus, to me, uh, captivates this mindset right here, right? When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Peter draws his sword to defend his God, chops off a servant's ear, and Jesus heals the ear of the servant. And he says, Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And I want to tell you what you choose to live by is what you will die by. And right here, Abimelech chose to live by his pride. And in his dying moments, he died by his pride. He died by his pride by running headfirst into the strong tower of the Lord. And right afterwards, while he's laying there on his deathbed, in his pride, he says, Hey, it can't be said a woman killed me. Take your sword and kill me. And yet God said, I am not allowing your pride to be written in the books of history, right? What I'm going to put in here is that what you choose to live by is what you'll die by. And sometimes that's so honest for us, right? I I, uh, I encountered someone not that long ago, I'm sharing the story because they gave me permission. I won't name drop, but this individual, um, uh, unfortunately has like a serious, serious, serious lying problem. And it's like, You know, you have to investigate almost everything. And I don't know about anyone else, but sometimes those type of relationships just exhaust me. Right. Where it's like, all right, I don't know if you're telling me the truth. I don't like I just don't even know what you're saying to me. Like you're telling me you had milk this morning. I don't know if I believe you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You're saying you had McDonald's for lunch and I'm I'm pretty sure it was Wendy's. Right. Like what? But it's like the things you shouldn't even lie about. Right. But they choose to live by their lying. And uh, I confronted them recently and said, you know, you, you live your life by falsehood and a lot of your relationships die by falsehood. And it breaks my heart. It, it truly, I, wow, I'm actually getting emotional about this. <laughs> um, it really breaks my heart to see your relationships to continue die due to falsehood and die due to your lying. And it's what you've chosen to live by. And I don't wanna see you keep dying by the same things. Because what I know is that the Lord is extending mercy. He's extending grace and his grace and mercy don't run out. And he's just waiting for you to call on that in this area of your life. And they're a Christ follower, correct? Like, it's not like, you know, I wouldn't even bring this stuff up too much <laughs> if they weren't a Christ follower, right? It's a totally different moral code. And, uh, you know, I actually gave reference to this chapter that Abimelech chose to live by pride. So he died by pride. And if you choose to live by lying, you'll die by lying. And, and this individual, they repented and my prayer is, and my prayer is for so many of us, you know, to check and challenge what we live by, because if we live by lies, if we live by even the childhood trauma, correct, because childhood trauma will influence all areas of our life that we don't even realize. Uh, uh, and if we don't check those things, if we don't look at them and say, what am I truly living by? Right. Or am I doing what the Apostle Paul said when he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain? That's a man who chose to live by the Lord. That's a man who chose, I'm going to look to the Lord in all areas of my life, no matter what it looks like on the outside. And I'll live by him and I'll die by him. And here Abimelech, he chose to live by pride and die by pride. Don't let it be said that a woman killed me. And yet God points it out to all of us and he says, everybody, (laughs) everybody (laughs) is going to know you died by a woman, but I would hate, I would hate, I would hate, you know, God does not shame his people. He does not bring shame to his people, but I'll tell you, sometimes we do bring shame to ourselves based on foolish, foolish uh, decisions based on freedom issues, childhood traumas, because we decide not to deal with our junk like Abimelech did. And you see, when Abimelech's men saw that he was dead, they disbanded and returned to their homes. And I want to tell you something. This is what I'm going to close with. In verse 55, when you cut off the head, right, the body will die. And for some of us, I'm, I'm going to get a little confrontational today, whether you're listening to the podcast later, live with us here on Zoom. I love you. Hear me. Hi, I'm Harry. I'm your friend. And I'm saying this because I love you. When you cut off the head of sin, the body of sin will die. But if you don't cut off its head, it will stay present inside of your life. It will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. And that sin, that thing will drive you to places you never wanted your life to go. Right. And here Abimelech, think about it. Three years earlier to this moment was just a guy living his life. But because he had so much bitterness and selfish ambition inside of his heart, it drove him to a prideful death. But verse 55 this is the mercy of Jesus to me. Abimelech's men disbanded and they got to live after Abimelech's mistake. What it tells me is when you cut off the head, there's mercy for the body, right? When we cut off the head of sin, there's mercy for us. And you see, God went ahead. And punish the men of Shechem for their evil. However, we can know that there's mercy for us when we cut off the head of sin, when we decide on the altar of our life where Shechem decided to sacrifice 70 men, 70 on his own altar, right? That was what he was choosing to worship or choosing to worship. For us, when we just decide to take the altar and say, God, the only thing I will worship here is not my pride, but you. I will put you first and foremost in every decision. I will say, God, in all of my ways, search my heart so that I may know you. Let me be like Moses and know your ways, God, because I want to be like the apostle Paul wrote, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And I don't want to live by whatever that problem is in my heart and die by it. I want to live by you and die by you, Lord. So come on, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for each and every person this morning and later on that's listening to this. God, let us learn from Abimelech. There are so many life lessons inside of his life. And God, thank you for not holding back from us the things that are in his life. That God, you don't spare the details for us to just figure it out ourselves. But Lord, you give us wisdom through your word. And you also give us hope. The wisdom side of if I don't deal with it now, it will come back to haunt me later. (laughs) But the hope side, that there's always a Jotham and there's always a strong tower in our life that we can look to, retreat to, and press into. So God, I just pray, give each of us heaven's perspective an elevated vision today. Just like the woman at the top of the tower that threw the stone down. That God, we could see things from your perspective. That we could look at our lives, our families, our workplace, our relationships, from heaven's perspective, knowing that when we look down, we can go ahead and see that our problems may not be as big as we think they are. And Lord, when we see it from your perspective, we know that there's hope. So Lord, I just pray, give us the courage to deal with the altars in our own life today. God, give us the boldness and grace to deal with the things that are plaguing us that we may not even know are plaguing us. Because I doubt Abimelech even knew what was in his own heart. So, Holy Spirit, I just pray, show us what's in our hearts today so that we can go ahead and deal with it head on. Because, God, I don't want anything less than the best that you have for your body of Christ. So, Lord, I just pray, give us grace today. Give us revelation and give us wisdom on how to live for you. And we ask this, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Come on. Everybody say Amen. 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 Come on. This one went went by kind of quick. All right. Love you guys. Hey, have a great, great Thursday. I hope you guys do so well. I'll talk to you.